As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The Whiskey Mistress, and it's her show. She knows about whiskey and stuff. Hi, this is Debbie Shoker on Believe in the Whiskey Mistress on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Last week, we talked about the first of the four major steps of whiskey production, mashing. Now let's talk about the next step, fermentation. If you remember, mashing uses grain and water and is the process of producing a malty, sugary liquid called wort, with barley malt converting the grain starches to fermentable grain sugars. And the next step, fermentation, requires the next element of whiskey yeast. Fermentation takes place in a huge tank known as a fermenter. The fermenter is filled with the converted mash, now wort, and yeast is added. Saccharomyces cerevisiae, yeast. I'm really proud of the fact that I can say that. Saccharomyces cerevisiae. Now, stick with me here. I think this is so interesting. Yeast is a fungus. And most varieties of fungus, they explore their surroundings by branching filaments. But yeast is, it's pretty much unicellular with rounded cells. And this particular yeast species, Saccharomyces cerevisiae, is the one most often used for fermentation by both brewers and distillers. The yeast cells, they, they thrive on simple sugars like glucose, like the ones in the wort. The yeast consumes the sugars and then releases carbon dioxide and alcohol in the process. The term yeast, well, that's from the old English word yeast, and it's been sold commercially since around, geez, 1780. Yeast, it may actually be one of the world's very first domesticated organisms. Yeah, I like that, I like that. One of the world's very first domesticated organisms. Now today, yeast is a huge workhorse in our society, today. Yeast is used in bioremediation. Look it up, it's fascinating. Molecular genetics and gene therapy, biofuels, medicine, homemade hair and skin treatment, xylitol, chocolate, non-alcoholic drinks, wine, beer, baking, even some protein supplements. The carbon dioxide yeast produces, that's useful in bread making. 
It's what makes those wonderful holes inside the bread and gives it great texture. And the alcohol it produces during fermentation, that's good for making spirits, for making whiskey. Yeast is the third element in whiskey. The first two are grain and water. And without yeast, well, there just wouldn't be any of those tasty adult beverages most of us enjoy. The biochemical process of fermentation happens when yeast converts one glucose molecule to two ethanol molecules and two molecules of CO2, carbon dioxide, plus some heat. Now, there's a whole applied science devoted to fermentation called zymology. Yeah, yeah, work that into casual conversation. You'll sound pretty smart. The actual word fermentation, that comes to us from the Latin word fervere, which means to boil. And if you ever have the privilege to actually look down into a fermenter, you'll see it bubbling as the CO2, the carbon dioxide, comes to the surface. It actually looks like it's boiling. Look, I'm telling you, yeast is amazing. But what I still haven't told you about this amazing organism is that it is facultative which means it can thrive in more than one specific set of environmental circumstances, in this case, oxygen. You see, at the beginning of fermentation, the yeast is using the oxygen in the wort. But once that oxygen is depleted, the yeast, it still thrives. At this point, it begins foraging, using the oxygen in the sugar molecules and leaving behind the things that we want, carbon dioxide, and ethanol alcohol. And that's a good thing. You know I'm a big proponent of the American craft distillers. I mean, it's expensive, time-consuming, and laborious to make whiskey, or any other distilled spirit for that matter. There's a passion behind it. These folks who make craft whiskey, you know, you know just like craft brewing, revolutionized beer as we know it because the brewers became so courageously creative. Well, the same thing's happening in whiskey too, even with the yeast. Some craft distillers are experimenting with different strains and combinations. They might use champagne yeast, Belgian ale yeast, who really knows? Now, Saccharomyces cerevisiae may be the one most commonly used, but really they can use nearly any yeast because it converts sugars to alcohol and carbon dioxide. And it can, therefore, theoretically, be used to make whiskey. And now you know. Whiskey. Okay, let's talk about some varieties of whiskey. Now remember that under the general umbrella of red wine, you have Merlot, Cabernet, Shiraz. They're all, they're all varieties of red wine with characteristics specific to each variety. And under the general umbrella of whiskey, you also have varieties with characteristics specific to each variety. And rye, rye whiskey, is one of those varieties. Now, in America, to be classified as a rye whiskey, it has to have at least 51% rye in the grain recipe and be aged at least two years in new 
charred oak barrels. Now remember, that says new charred oak barrels. Once they are emptied of that rye whiskey, they will never again hold what is classified as rye whiskey. Other people buy them, use them to store, uh, to mature uh, other whiskeys and wines and other spirits in. But the rye whiskey has to be aged in new charred oak barrels. So the high rye content in the recipe, that results in a product that usually has a much spicier mouthfeel. That means it's a little more tingly. Yes, please feel free to giggle there. But it may be a little fruitier in the finish. And generally, it's going to be lighter bodied than, say, most bourbons. Now, rye whiskey, that was really, really big and popular before Prohibition. But after the repeal in 1933, it just didn't, it didn't gain a foothold. It didn't return as a popular spirit until the early part of this century, uh, buoyed by the general tidal wave of whiskey's popularity and those great whiskey cocktails like the Manhattans and Old Fashions that have found a whole new uh, lifeline today. Rye found its traction, and today there are a number of really, really good ryes on the shelves of your local happy juice store. So, where to begin if you want to try rye whiskey? Well, just like good cuisine begins with good ingredients, it's the same with whiskey. It's important to acquire good whiskey to really enjoy it, whether that's in a cocktail, on the rocks, or neat. And remember that if you use rye whiskey in a cocktail where you previously used bourbon, the cocktail is going to be drier. That means it will be less sweet. And I recommend Woodford Reserve Rye as an affordable start. It's as delicious as any of the Woodford products and it's widely available. It also has this lovely chocolatey thing going on in the finish. It's great in a cocktail, it's great on its own. Now for some great craft rye recommendations, check out my LinkedIn page for reviews on a number of craft whiskeys. Among them, some delicious ryes. And yes, I know you often hear Canadian whiskey referred to as, I'm using air quotes, you can't see it, but I am, rye. But that doesn't mean it necessarily has any rye in the grain recipe at all. It isn't required to, even if it is referred to as rye. For Canadian whiskey, it's, it's more of a, a customary historical tradition, hailing back to the days when rye grain played a much bigger part in its production. So rye whiskey, try it. Send me a message. Tell me what you think. And you never know, next week, I may be talking about a very special rye. Yeah, look forward to that review. You know, you often hear me say, if you think you don't like whiskey, spend some time with me here and I can fix that. But if you've been listening to my podcast, I'm thinking that you do like whiskey. However, you may know some people who think they don't like whiskey, and I'm here to help you fix that. I was watching NHK. It's the Japanese news network here in America, and I like to watch that a lot. They have these really fun little uh, five and ten minute uh, micro documentaries, um, and they're fascinating. And yesterday, I saw this really neat one. They were they were spending like 72 hours documenting what goes on in a liquor store. 
And among the people they spoke to was this man who had been in the whiskey industry for years, actually. And he was talking about the price of Japanese whiskey. And he said um, that it's really important to understand that good doesn't mean it has to be expensive. Expensive doesn't mean it's good. It just has to be good. And I know that that also uh, comes to being a matter of personal preference as well. And when I first started talking about whiskey, I was a master bartending instructor for a number of years at a highly respected bartending academy. Now, it wasn't one of those bartending schools that you go to for two weeks, they wave a magic wand and say, poof, you're a bartender. It had some really stringent requirements and was very highly respected because of the graduates that we turned out and the, the things that they understood, the things they they could do, and the high quality of work that they could, um, they could offer to our clients. So what I learned and learned to impart to the students is that a good cocktail doesn't have to be complicated. It just has to be done right. And this is where I, I come to what I want to tell you about today. It's, it's sort of a blend of all these three points I've made. Um, I want to help you pull those friends, um, partners, family members into our side of the whiskey fence by giving you a delightful cocktail to share with them. It's not an expensive cocktail. It's good. It's not a complicated cocktail. It's just a cocktail done right. Please understand that most of the time when you hear me discuss cocktails, I won't ask you to shake it vigorously because really when you shake any cocktail vigorously, first and foremost, you're diluting it. And if you're diluting it, you're losing some flavor. You're diluting flavor. Um, but this cocktail I'm going to tell you about, it's called the Whiskey Kiss. It's one of my two signature cocktails. The other signature cocktail isn't a whiskey-based one, so I won't talk about that for a while. But I want to tell you about this one. This one came about when I was the general manager of a high-profile Irish pub in Santa Monica. California. I was there for a minute. I rewrote their their whiskey list. They had, um, we had, I think over 200 whiskeys. And I decided I wanted to create a signature cocktail for this pub. And I did. And I called it the Whiskey Kiss. Now for the Irish pub, I made a slight variation so that it would be green because that works in an Irish pub, especially on St. Patrick's Day, which by the way, ding ding, it's coming. It's absolutely delicious. The reason I call it the Whiskey Kiss is, first of all, it's a cute, fun, sexy little name, of course, but secondly, because it just has a little kiss of that whiskey flavor right at the finish. Now you only need three ingredients. You need whiskey, you need pineapple juice, and one of the following, either grenadine syrup or blue curacao. If you use the grenadine, it's going to be a beautiful pink cocktail. If you use the blue curacao, remember blue and yellow make green, so the blue curacao along with the pineapple juice is going to make it a beautiful green cocktail. The flavor will be almost identical 
either way you decide to go. Now, the only things you really need are a lovely serving glass. I like a goblet for this one. It's it's uh, quite striking if you serve it in a big, beautiful goblet. And um, a bartender's mixing tin, which is uh, the, that metal piece and then the glass uh, pint, the pint glass, the glass part that you use. Because I want you to shake this one vigorously. It's very important for this particular cocktail. So what whiskey do you use? Well, I always recommend Irish whiskey for this one, particularly Bushmills. I'm fond of Bushmills. The Irish whiskeys tend to be lighter and a little smoother. Very, They're actually rather exceptionally smooth. And if you are serving this cocktail to someone who you're wanting to um, convince that whiskey is a good thing, then I would definitely recommend an Irish whiskey. Like I said, I go with Bushmills. You can use any whiskey that you like. But the Whiskey Kiss is two ounces of whiskey, four ounces of pineapple juice, and a half ounce of either grenadine or blue curacao. So the first thing you do is you fill your mixing tin, the metal side, half with ice cubes, and then you pour in all of your ingredients. And then you shake it vigorously. I mean, just shake the life out of it. Give it a good 25 good hard shakes. And the reason we do that is because once you've shaken it, pour the entire contents of your mixing tin, ice and all, into the goblet. And what you're going to find is that it has this beautiful, frothy head. It's just gorgeous. It looks like pink, frothy beer or green, frothy beer, depending on which uh, of the, the two uh, varieties you're using, either the grenadine or the blue curacao. It's so beautiful. Pineapple juice froths when you shake it when, in a mixing tin. And then when you taste it, it's sweet, it's delicious, and again has that little kiss of whiskey goodness right in the finish. You know, for a long time, I bragged that I was at 100% fixing people who think they don't like whiskey. And that's because I'm a firm believer that whiskeys are like wines. There's one out there for everyone. And I've had I've had some hard cases too. There was uh, there was one gentleman who actually had a visceral reaction when I would talk about whiskey. He was one of my my bartending students. And after uh, about 2 years, not only was whiskey the only thing he drank besides beer, but he was developing his own special whiskey cocktails at the bar where he was employed. And the other one was a girl. Um, she was also a very, very tough case. She liked gin almost exclusively. And she also had this, she would make that, um, that really fun, screwed up face that you get when people have tasted something really foul or sour. And after about um, six months or a year, she was asking me, what should I try next? Which whiskey should I go for next? How can I make a great cocktail with it? I'm telling you, there's one out there for everybody. And a lot of people who think they don't like whiskey, it's because of the particular brand of whiskey that they've probably had. There's a reason we drink some whiskeys with Coke. Um, it's because we don't want to taste the whiskey. Again, I have to reiterate, it comes down to personal preference. I have no problem with anybody's personal preference. But the reason I don't brag about um, 
fixing people who think they don't like whiskey is because I, I don't really work very hard on that anymore. What I'm doing is I'm talking about it and I'm passing the baton to you. I'm asking you to start fixing people who think they don't like whiskey. And let's start it off with a little romance, a little sweetness, a little, I don't know, maybe a whiskey kiss. Now, if you're enjoying this show, please subscribe and rate the show five stars on iTunes. We're available on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us at Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V.com and at Believe Podcasts. You can also follow me, The Whiskey Mistress, on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. Get on down and drink some whiskey, (laughs) y'all. All those amazing sound bites, bumps, and music, well, those are provided to me courtesy of the amazingly talented rock band Hurricane Sugar. You can find them on Instagram at at HurricaneSugarLA or on the internet at HurricaneSugar.com. Thanks, fellas. Thanks for listening. Join me next week on Believe in the Whiskey Mistress right here on the Believe Podcast Network. The Whiskey Mistress And it's a show She knows about whiskey and stuff You know So don't miss this mistress's show As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.